Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Celebrant Talk Show. It is me, Sarah Ed, here with our lovely Josh Withers. Say hi, Josh. Hello. 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 Uh, here we are. I know it's been a couple of weeks since the last episode, and I know people are going, where's the new next episode? You know, we're busy. It's wedding season. So that's we'll get to it when we're ready. And we're ready now. So yay. Yeah. Awesome. So, Technical side note. Yes. I was thinking about this in the shower this morning. Because that's where I do my best thinking. Of course. Because I was, I was thinking to myself, Sarah and I are recording another episode today. And and then I started thinking about, like, because in TV we talk about episodic content as being um, kind of like Home and Away or Neighbours in that it uh, you, you kind of want to watch each episode. Like you can't miss one because... In order, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you've got you to watch them in order. Um, and which may well be true for this, but I thought, are we more of an addition? Like this little podcast it could very much all sit on its own like it would obviously be helpful to everyone to listen to all of them but in a hundred years would this one just stand on its own is it more of an addition totally yes Hmm. I think so you could swap around you could see which topics interest you but it is always good to remember that Josh and I do tend to talk in tangents so something will lead us down another path that might not be in the topic list and might not be what we plan to talk about, uh, but you might find some gold in there, or you might not, uh, but we do kind of tend to talk about all sorts of things. Well, and, and as I reference, um, I've got a new column for White Mag that I'm doing, and I, and I reference the handbag human conversation we had in a couple of uh, previous editions, and it's because we're human. We'll have a chat, and we'll just start talking, and next minute, it's... Uh 45 minutes down the road. <laughs> and we've talked about God knows what. I do have to admit that sometimes I we post an episode and people go, oh, I'm really enjoying this episode. And I go, what did we talk about again? I don't really remember because it kind of ambled all over the place. And I think there's nothing wrong with that because it is kind of us having a chat. Now, let me share with you. This is a little bit of uh, inside baseball, a little bit of inside radio, how to deal with this. Because when I used to do a breakfast radio show, I did a show like this five times a week for three hours a day. And, uh, and I'd see people on the street, see so catch up with friends for a barbecue, and they're like, oh, I love what you did. And um, I would have no idea, like zero, <laughs> no idea. Because uh, A, I'm not that smart. B, you've, I've just I've done 15 hours of talking on air this, this week. I've, like, God knows what I said. And so I would always come back and say, what did you love? Like, like what about it did, did you love? And um, like, like tell, tell, me, tell me how it, how it resonated with you. Um, so that over the next five minutes I could try and figure out what bit they were talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's very sensible. So next time, friends of Sarah, you hear me go, what did you love about it? You'll know that I'm scrambling through the reaches of my brain to figure out what on earth you you liked. But that's great. I'm just pleased that you liked it. Hey, uh, talking about liking it, could I, um, at this early part of the podcast, uh, just implore you listening hello hello you uh could i ask you to do a few things like you you can do them in your own time um but i suppose the most important thing is like whatever app you're listening into right now whether it's whether it's apple podcast app google play um spotify i I use overcast as my app of choice um that each each of those apps will have its own little way of like giving us just a bit of a dosage of love like in overcast there's a star you just click star and it's just like a little indication that hey this is not as terrible as other ones um in in the apple podcast app you can um you can rate and review the podcast um if if you don't know how many stars to give us let me recommend five that's my preferable (laughs) peripheral amount of stars Uh, um but just just give it a little bump so that each of those little networks go oh hey this is maybe better than something else 
And then just one more, just one more thing that I, I can beg of you. Um, and uh, Sarah right now is on her knees begging as well. Uh, that that maybe you could just share this with another celebrant. That if you like, it, you, you don't have to be the guy that posts in the group. If you're welcome to, but um, but if you've if you've got a girlfriend that's a celebrant, you got a whatever. You're in a you're in a little mini group of celebrants, whatever. Or you're emailing someone. Just go, hey, hey, have you have you listened to this? I think it might be really good to you because uh, every week. Um, I still meet celebrants and they've, they don't even know that this exists. I'm like, do you not follow my every move on Facebook? What kind of friend are you? <laughs> <laughs> and so I say, go to celebrant.fm um, and uh, check out the uh, the podcast there and you can subscribe. You can click on the subscribe link. You can get it via email or any of the apps. Um, just, just if you can share with one person, they were just like, it would just, uh, I suppose, have more people listening to the podcast. Maybe we could help more people. Maybe this could be a more useful podcast. And Sarah and I... Um, Putting our podcast, putting our podcast pants on every week or two, is worth it. That would be very cool. Can I also please give a shout out to our non-celebrant listeners? Uh, I was working a wedding a few weeks ago, and the DJ who was working there went, "Hey, I really love your podcast," and I was like. Why are you listening to the podcast? This is not for you. Delete it from your app. <laughs> I was Even. like, that's awesome, but what can you possibly be getting out of it? And he was like, nah, man, it's awesome. It was so good to hear all about the changes in the marriage equality legislation. It's really great to know what kind of um, business struggles celebrants are having. He said it's just great. So shout out to our non-celebrant listeners Thank you for putting up with the Celebrant Drivel and um, thanks for listening because that's really cool of you. I, I had a had a weird thought in my head just then. One of my favourite podcasts is a really techie, nerdy podcast, so don't feel like you've got to go and listen to it, but it's called ATP. It's called Accidental Tech Podcast. And uh, and that started maybe you know, five years ago. The three hosts... Um, they're, they're three computer or computer programmers, like you know, consultants, co- computing nerdy guys. But they wanted to talk about cars. And I thought there's a, there's enough tech podcasts. The world doesn't need another bloody tech podcast. And they started talking about cars. And I think it might have taken ten or fifteen episodes until they started doing like a back end, like kind of two podcasts in one, where they'd separate in the middle and they, and they would just start talking about tech stuff. And then over the course of a couple of episodes, it became an accidental tech podcast. <laughs> I love it. I love I, it. I could totally imagine that happening if I was like, we started with the intent of having a celebrant podcast, but now now, now we're president of, of the world. <laughs> sure, sure. Maybe. And look, and it, it's true that a lot of the business stuff that we talk about is applicable to everyone in the industry, whichever niche they're sitting in. So that does help as well. Sarah, the New South Wales BDM is dragging its feet. Uh, well, not as not as much as you know, South Australia, Tasmania, ACT, <laughs> NT, WA. WA, but in the realm of, of uh, births, deaths, and marriages that have their own electronic online celebrant accessible systems, New South Wales is dragging its feet big time. I am. Um, I, I I logged on the other day because I thought, oh, maybe yeah, maybe they've gotten around to updating for marriage equality. And they just haven't emailed us because yeah, that's what happens. And uh, and I went to go download Noim, and I thought, oh, it's the new Noim, but it, it hasn't printed any of the any of the couple's details on the new Noim <laughs> because this is how they're dealing with marriage equality. You type all your information in, awesome, and you go print Noim, and it just gives you a blank Noim. <laughs> 
gosh, they're useless. That's super helpful, super helpful. Now, I have heard from celebrant colleagues in New South Wales who have emailed New South Wales BDM in rather an irate state asking for an update that rhymed, that was not on purpose, uh, that it's going to be at least another two months before they can get the marriage equality stuff updated. Let's just remember that we're now sitting at, what, seven weeks since the law changed. Victoria BDM had their site updated within 24 hours of the law change. Celebrant Suite, Celebrant Briefcase, they're private companies and, you know, run by people who are kind of working on a shoestring budget and they were updated within a few weeks. Yeah, but and Ron had Celebrant Suite on Christmas morning because I, I told him that I um, I said from Boxing Down, I've got weddings and, and I said, mate, if it could be, God, I'd love it. And Christmas Day flipping morning. <laughs> that was a great Christmas present. Great Christmas present. Amazing. I emailed back. I said, Ron, put the bloody computer away. Go be with your family. <laughs> Absolutely. So the fact that New South Wales BDM hasn't caught up yet is a major issue. And I I don't really understand their justification. They're saying that it's not as simple as just changing a few labels, that there's uh, stuff they have to change in the way the data is captured in the back end and the way the data is manipulated and and the way it connects to other data in the system. That's not making a lot of sense to me and I know that New South Wales celebrants are really frustrated by this and so I'm feeling I'm feeling for you. Um, I do have something that I'm just going to drop on Josh. I haven't mentioned this to him before, but one of our amazing listeners, Peter Willington, is a Queensland celebrant and he has been so annoyed by the... PDF forms that are downloadable from the Attorney General's website that really, like when you type into them, they look rubbish and all the fonts change and bloody blah, that he went and made his own set of writable PDF forms that, like, they're still the right form, but it works when you type into them. And he has very generously gifted them to us at celebrant.fm for us to put in the shop for anyone to purchase a downloadable template uh, just $5 each for a norm and a declaration of no legal impediment and a certificate of marriage. And I think he said something to me about when you type into one place, it goes into the other place and oh, it's all really? very clever. Oh, so wow. I know, right? Amazing. So this is a really super cool solution for people in New South Wales. Well, in fact, for people anywhere except Victoria <laughs> um, who are not – a, who are not um, trial users of the Queensland system, but anybody who's frustrated with handwriting in the tiny little boxes that they've left in the name for the address and things like that, anybody who's frustrated trying to type into the AGD's Word or PDFs, we're going to put those documents up on our shop on celebrant.fm and you can just download, it's just a once-off purchase, you download it. And he's been very generous to gift that to us as a as an a way of helping us with our hosting costs. So big shout out to Peter. Thank you so much. And hopefully this will be helpful for the celebrants who are feeling frustrated with BDM and everybody else. Thank you so much, Peter. And uh, I also need to apologise um, for any audio quality issues at this time. Um, my little cat Stevie, who's a, a little bit, um, she's a little bit precious today. She's decided <laughs> that um, that she needs to rub all over the mic. And I was a really <laughs> bad dad to her yesterday, so I'm letting her do that. Because I took her to the vet and she's, it wasn't a good experience. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. bet 
I bet she didn't love that at all. So just that whole time while you're talking to Peter, I, I might be able to edit it out, but Steve's rubbing <laughs> all over and like, oh, I don't want to stop her. I was such a bad guy to her yesterday. <laughs> well, I couldn't hear it, so maybe it's okay. Oh, good. I? Well, you just know. know that this podcast has been blessed by, by Stevie. <laughs> sure. Something like that. Uh, so, yes, massive thank you to Peter. They'll be available on the shop uh, in the next, or, you know, little while after you hear the um, the podcast. So, so going back over, like, where we're at with marriage, marriage equality in the forms, New South Wales has done nothing yet. Um, Queensland, if you are on the beta trial of the Queensland BDM system, they do now support marriage equality. Um, and and like Peter has identified, and I think we might have mentioned as well, um, the forms are ugly as, and the BDM just doesn't care. And as, so that if they don't care, then I, I don't think they'll get fixed. I, I did make it known to them that I said, I feel like I'm signing um, like a, a play school kind of document with my clients. It doesn't look like a marriage paperwork kind of deal. But I guess they're also waiting because there's going to be new forms soon. So um, I, I don't know. I'm not going to make excuses for them. But, hey, at least you can register comes in, uh, marriages that are other than male and female with them now. This is true. And I will mention that I, th- I can't remember if we've mentioned this before, but when the last set of new forms was released in July 2014, uh, when Vic BDM updated their marriage celebrants online system at the time, we were like, this is producing really ugly forms. Can't you do something about that? And their response was, these are working documents. They don't need to look pretty. Yeah. Or, yep. or they're only there to provide information and then they get filed away and nobody looks at them. They're not going in a frame on the wall. They're not there to be presented in front of a whole lot of people or anything like that. So their response was, we don't care what they look like as long as we can read the information. That's all that matters to us. And we did point out, but, you know, this is a couple's wedding day, bloody blah, and they're like, yeah, we don't care. Um, hey, uh, talking about marriage equality as well, um, as you're dropping things on me, I'll drop things on you. I had coffee with um, an amazing human yesterday. Uh, her name's Tara. She's from a um, blog slash, uh, well, actually, it's not a blog, it's a magazine that has a website um, called Dancing With Her. Have you heard of Dancing With Her? I haven't, no. Yeah, so it's, it's a... Now I'm about to Google it. It's a um, female-centric um, magazine because uh, as like, obviously they um, like she's a massive massive advocate for marriage equality in general um, their content they're, they're going down the female um, thing which is it's funny she, she, she talked about how like some people question whether that's got to do and like yeah you, you don't have to be for everyone you can't please everyone you can't make no. content for everyone so it's okay to be female like obviously her heart's in the right place as far as um, marriage equality and, and, and more than marriage equality just just general um, yeah, gender equality and whatnot. But uh, I, um, I invited her because we, like, when you and I started this podcast, we said we don't really want to make it a guesty guest podcast for every week. It's and this this week we've got blah 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 guest, and we've even had lovely celebrants reach out and say if you want to guest. I'm like, it's cool. It's not really that kind of podcast where we're going to guest all the time. It's more of a talk show. Um, but I did invite Tara on a future episode, um, but, uh, to talk to us and hopefully help everyone else out with um, uh, language. With wording yes, and great. language and verbiage, um, uh, as far as us talking about it, 
um, as far as you and I talking about it, but also on websites, on forms, and marketing and that kind of thing. Uh, because um, I, as I said to her, I said, look, I think I'm doing pretty good, but I wonder if there's still some um, some heteronormative words in my in my website, even just in my language. Like it's funny, I even said to her, like I feel like the word lesbian isn't. Like I, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable using the word lesbian. She goes, like her partner doesn't like the word lesbian, um, but but she she's okay with it. And and I feel that we're in a time of you know, look, a lot of people are gonna be hearing this and like ah, oh, they all just bloody softies. They're all snowflakes. They need to just bloody well get over it. And you know what? You're welcome to that opinion. But um, if I can possibly make some changes in my life personally and as a business, that might be more. It just might make me more accessible and more friendly, more smiley to other people. And if it's an easy change for me to make, I'd like to make it. Um, and and if, if there's a way that I can be just um, more kind and more loving to people, I'd, I'd like to be that guy. Like, that's just where my heart is in life and in business. So I asked Tara to come on to a future episode and, um, and just kind of talk to us about uh, how to do that. Because that's something she's passionate about, is about helping wedding businesses just be less... Um, gender normative and heteronormative yeah i think that's really great i actually listened to an episode of another an american wedding podcast the other day and they were interviewing somebody very similar to tara who uh she's essentially a business a wedding business consultant in the states she's an event planner herself uh but she runs a uh, sort of website called mr spelled m-r-s-t-e-r uh and it's about inclusivity in the wedding industry and she was talking about how to make your website and your marketing and and your conversations and everything more inclusive and you know she was it was really interesting to me and I was quite relieved when I listened to it to find that I'd already implemented a lot of the things that she suggested but I think that for that our audience would love this uh for for an from an Australian perspective you know, I'm seeing questions on uh, on Facebook forums of celebrants, things like the one I saw yesterday, which I have to admit horrified me a little bit, was in the occupation slot on the NOIM and the official certificate of marriage, what do you put if the person works at home, is a stay-at-home mum, a stay-at-home dad, whatever, especially for LGBT weddings? And I wrote back and I said, I put home duties, but I'm not really sure why that would be different for a same-sex couple. And she wrote back and said, I was wondering if anybody had done a same-sex wedding and what the couple thought about that term. And I kind of, I wanted to push back and go, again, I don't understand why a person's sexual orientation would change the way they describe their occupation but to be honest, I got tired and it was hot here and I didn't have the energy. I think, but I I think, think we all know that gay people don't live in homes, so that's <laughs> a valid question. <laughs> but I, I, think it's really, I think it's really important, and I'm sure that Tara would say this as well, that they're people. Yeah, yeah. We're not talking about an alien species or a different race or anything. Like, we're just talking about people who happen to love somebody different from the person that we might love. But other than that, they're just the same. And <laughs> it's not we're not it's not frightening. They're not going to try and convert you. They're not they they're not different. It's just the same 
But instead of having a man and a woman, you might have two women in front of you, you might have two men, you might have a woman and someone who identifies as non-binary. But other than that, they're just the same. So I think it would be super great to get Tara on because I'm I'm also feeling a little bit um, concerned about my privilege. I am a white, heterosexual, cisgender female, uh, which means that I don't get discriminated against, apart from sometimes on the basis of my gender, but in, in a lot of ways, I haven't suffered much in the way of discrimination and I don't know what it's like. Uh, and I'm very wary of checking my privilege and checking in with people in the appropriate communities that the language that I'm using is appropriate and that the way I'm uh, creating marriage ceremonies with my couples is appropriate and that I'm not doing anything that's offensive. And I'm because I'm not I can't speak about these things from a position of lived experience. I can only talk about them from my wide reading and from the, t- the talking that I've done with people in those communities. So I think it would be really great for us to hear from somebody who lives in that world and can educate us about what the lived experience is. Sarah, don't even get up on your high horse like you've got privilege, please. I'm a six foot one heterosexual white male born on the Gold Coast. You don't even know what privilege looks like, mate. <laughs> That's a very good point, but um, one we shall move away from. <laughs> but uh, and it's funny you mentioned cisgender because um, because uh, Tara said that she's cisgender, and I said, look, I'm kind of be honest, like while we're talking about it, all, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and, uh, and which and said, a lot of people don't. A lot no, of people don't. And and, and, and I thought it was going to be something much more complex, but it's, um, uh, I believe it's, it's when you identify as the gender you were born as. Correct, yes. The, the gender that was uh, given to you at birth and was generally selected for you based on your genitalia and your uh, genetic makeup, that that is the same as the way you feel inside. So this is opposite to transgender, where the person f- doesn't feel like the agenda they were signed at birth. The gender, so, not agenda. Sorry, the gender they were assigned. No, I was, gender I was, I was born a lefty, but I just, it just didn't sit well with me. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, so cisgender is, is something that we don't have to use the word cisgender when we're describing ourselves as men or women or whatever, but when you're talking to a certain community of people, uh, this can be a way of describing who and what you are and the way you identify and that can be important when talking to some people. So it's just important to, I think it's really important to have some kind of knowledge around these terms and and things and one of the OPD topics I'm teaching this year is about the social impact of marriage equality and I'm really pushing that there will be some awareness raising kind of teaching in that about what the different terms mean, uh, what all those letters in the LGBTQIAAP asterisk all stand for, um, the alphabet soup as some people call it. And because I think that it's important for people to understand these concepts, but still know that people are just people. 
moving on to um, to another, we're just dropping things on each other because you and I have barely talked in the last couple of weeks and busy and travelling. I was, oh, I mentioned that in the podcast. I mentioned that in the podcast. Uh, but, but we have talked about this um, and I know there's even been an email about this, uh, maybe a Facebook comment, something like that, that um, we hinted towards the end of last year that in 2018 uh, we might put on one, um, heck, if things get nutso, maybe two, or I don't know, um, OPD days for, for listeners of the podcast. And uh, and I, I know you were waiting for some dates that in your calendar with um, who you're doing OPD with and mm-hmm. whatnot. And also, um, like, I would love to be there even just to kind of rock up and just you know, be with people and hang out. Like, I, I don't mind hanging out with celebrants who aren't assholes. So, so that's the only really thing. That's the only thing I'd put on everyone is if you're an arsehole, don't don't come. <laughs> Please, for sure. the love of God, don't come. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, um, I, I suppose I just wanted to uh, say, hey, we have heard you. Um, B, Sarah and I at this point have not talked at it, about it at all, but I have seen all of the emails from all the other OPD providers saying, OPD, 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 OPD. Uh, and um, and I, I, I want to do it, but maybe um, after this podcast, Sarah and I can maybe talk more about some dates unless um, does bringing this process up with you bring up anything that you want to say Sarah just to um, drop on just you. to let you know let everybody know that my my OPD schedule for this year was literally uh approved at eight o'clock on Sunday night so uh it's been a big process of back and forth with Coltrane uh the RTO I'm working for this year about dates and venues and topics and all that kind of thing so uh we are expecting an email to go out to all celebrants this week or at the latest next week and for the schedule to be uh, uploaded onto the website, which of course I'll share on my, on all of my socials. And so yes, Josh and I now will be able to compare schedules and see what might work for one that we can invite uh, podcast people to. So, uh, so at a bare minimum, you should just go to one of Sarah's. Like, if you can't make it to a sanctioned, like this date, this place, um, that we put forth, then if nothing else, just go hang out with Sarah because that's going to be the best OPD going around. Uh, but Thanks, yeah, ho- mate. Ho- oh, mate, it's all right. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, hopefully we can maybe get a date or two or something that maybe could be like a thing, and maybe we have a thing afterwards with maybe food or drink or I don't know something. Just like it's not going to be like a I don't know a massive like a deal, but it'd just be cool to get everyone in the same room, have some fun and yeah. open it with good people. Totally. Absolutely. So it's, it's coming. I promise it's coming. And look, just to also, we're just dropping bombs everywhere. I, um, <laughs> on Tuesday this last week, I, uh, I hosted for the day. Um, so emceed and also spoke at the Australian photo booth conference. Um, the Australian photo booth, uh, conference has a conference every year there. It's held in participation with the American one. Photo booth is, they've got a damn pad. They're rocking a business. And uh, and um, Serge uh, for any of our uh, Sydney celebrants, um, Serge has got uh, I think DJ Plus is his brand. I think. It's, sorry, Serge, if you're listening to this, I should know your brand better. Um, DJ Plus, and and he's a uh, he's honestly um, one of the best DJs going around. Uh, charges a premium. He knows how to run a business. He comes from an accounting background. Smart guy, but he's also. I think his role is he's the secretary. I think he's the secretary of the board of directors of the DJAA, the DJ Association or DJ, the DJ Alliance of Australia. There we go. I there think he's go. the secretary, but he's he's on the board and he's helping make decisions there. So regardless of all the titles, there's Serge and there's Justin from the Photo Booth Conference 
and I'm there, I'm a celebrant, we're hosting it, and we just kind of had a conversation over lunch and said, what if we, what if we kind of did something together um, that maybe it was a two-day event and day one was kind of stuff that was appropriate to everyone? You know, we're talking about marketing, maybe we talk, I don't know, accounting is something boring, you know, but topics that are appropriate to all three industries and maybe day two is we kind of break out and there's a celebrant room over there and there's a photo booth room over there and there's a... Yeah, DJ room over there, and we um and we can get a little bit more down to the nitty gritty of those particular industries, and uh and we kind of floated the idea and said I think that might be that might might be a cool idea because if we've got the three industries together we can get a much better room at a much better rate we can you know that kind of thing so love um, it so this week we actually we had a chat about a few uh, we had a chat about doing a few, um, a few different venues looking at somewhere in the Goldie maybe because it's an easy place to get to. Um, but yeah, like, like nothing's really locked in, uh, but I suppose the reason I mention it is, uh, well, you guys are celebrants. And if this is the kind of thing that you think might be really cool, like if you would even consider going to it, like I'm not even, obviously we haven't even got a date. We haven't got a price. Um, and, uh, but if it's something you think you might consider going to, um, maybe just shoot us a comment, a tweet, a text, a email, a Facebook message. Say, Hey, would totally consider going to something like that. Um, and you know what? It, it might even be, it might even be that we kind of look at doing OPD, and I, I, I don't know. It's completely, completely open, and we've got no real precedent for whether it could be a success. And I think it's, I think we're looking at doing it next year, so twenty nineteen, because um, the twenty eighteen conference is obviously photo booth has just happened, and the DJ AA has already happened. So, uh, so yeah, cool. like, Love yeah, it. I, I, I feel like usually these things are dropped in such a formal matter of like, hello, celebrant population. We have organized the thing and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be $300 and it's going to be in this state. Uh, but I just wanted to be a little bit more open and authentic and say, hey, uh, we are like, obviously we're all skilled event creators and we would love to put an event for you guys. Um, but we're just, I suppose I've been completely honest and upfront. That's where we're at today. Uh, I know there's other conferences um, and I've looked at them and I haven't wanted to attend them. <laughs> and so maybe you felt the same way or maybe you have attended and thought, oh, this could be a whole lot better. Um, don't be afraid just to throw us an email and put us your thoughts, put your thoughts out there because honestly, it's, it's an open book today and maybe it could be better because you said something or maybe it'll happen because you said something. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's that. Does cool. that sound good? Sounds great. Love it. Love it. So good. And we've now managed to spend... 30 minutes talking about updates and haven't actually managed to get to the topic we're going to talk about today. So uh, I guess maybe we should get into that. So Clippo's messaged in. Uh, he sent us a bit of a voicemail, which you can always do. Just record something on your phone. Um, just go to your voice memos, whatever it is. And uh, you know, if you're on Android, I don't know what you used to record on them. I'm sure there's a recording something. And... Uh, Send it to hello at celebrant.fm. And uh, that way we can uh, play your question on the podcast and hopefully answer it like we're going to do with Cliffo right now. Hey, Josh and Sarah. Absolutely loving the podcast. Keep up the good work, guys. Um, Hey, I would love it if you guys in an upcoming episode could address processes or the processes you know behind you guys as a celebrant um, I'm a, a relatively new celebrant um, I've been part of the program for about 16 months and I think I'm a pretty good celebrant I've had great feedback from my couples 
I think where my small business, and it's a very small business, uh, lacks, uh, because I, I do work full-time as well. I, I practice celebrancy on the side. Um, but, yeah, where, where I think my business, and I think probably many others, lacks is process. The actual steps you take after a couple make initial contact uh, right through the booking process, uh, meetings uh, with the couples, rehearsals, um, and then, of course, sending in paperwork and then follow-up with uh, customers. Uh, I've sort of tried to sit down and come up with some logical steps, but I still find myself, you know, typing out, sending the same message, often on Facebook, um, you know, or emails or whatever. I, I find myself trotting out the same questions and a lot of the same answers over and over again. And what I would love to do is automate as much of my business as I can, uh, but without losing that that human touch. Um, so yeah, I'd love to know a bit about your processes and just what you generally think are smart processes um, in Celebrancy. Fantastic question um, on processes uh, because obviously you, you can get business books about processes um, and they're all really valid. Even I've written about processes before uh, and uh, and they're all all of those ideas are really good. But Celebrancy, like every industry and like every business, is so unique in that you've usually, generally, just got a single human like myself or Cliffo or you, Sarah, or... Um, so there's just usually a single human. Maybe, maybe it's a partner duo kind of deal. Uh, you know, even like I see, I see a few, a few group celebrant situations like citynamecelebrants.com.au, that kind of name, um, which which is all cool. But I I feel like those guys, once you get past the initial, hey, are you available? You're still just then dealing with an individual. You're not dealing. Oh, with the absolutely. Corporate. Those yeah. groups are about marketing, yeah, rather so- than. Rather than actual client journey or anything. Yeah. So, so even even if you are in a slightly bit of group, eventually the process becomes a single human talking to hopefully a couple. And I know even you and I have kind of got us like like I'm not going to say yours is completely different to mine, but I very upfrontly I always want to talk to the couple, um, and so I kind of address them both equally. Uh, and I always I sometimes one of them will email and I'll copy the other in and reply just. Because when we catch up, I just want them to both be in the know. I don't, I don't want, I don't want her to be going. Oh yes, Josh and I talked about this, and um, I don't know. That's just sure. that's just Makes my stupid little thing. Uh, but yeah, processes and celebrity. Uh, it's 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 especially relevant because we so much of the training we we had as celebrants if you did your cert four or if you did your you know whatever whatever course you did um might have talked about some processes like i know uh the last cert four that i saw um there was a one of the one of the sections was about doing a checklist the celebrant checklist uh so you you know checklist for the norm checklist for the declaration checklist for the vows blah 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 big long checklist um and a checklist is probably the most basic of processes at least it is a process at least it is a system right it's something that works. Uh, but from here, um, I suppose the best way to attack this is maybe, and tell me if you agree with this, Sarah, maybe if you and I could share our processes um, and then we can kind of riff off each other and maybe from that we'll see if we can't get to some um, get to some helpful situations at the end. Sounds great. So I think I might have referenced this style in the last podcast when I talked about a customer journey or a client journey. Uh, and because that's my whole process, my whole system, um, I visualize it in my mind as a journey. They were going from A to Z and I want I want to take them on a journey, almost like I'm leading there, like I'm, I'm like a tour guide and I'm leading them down this road that goes from A to Z. 
Um, and to get even more specific, and if you've ever attended one of my one of my workshops, um, you know that I always talk about this, and I put the photo up on the wall of the um, the uh, the slippery dip. Have you have you been to my, one of my slippery dip workshops, Sarah? I don't think I've seen a slippery dip. Yeah, it's it's a it's a modern it's a modern sensation. It's more in the last two years or so. <laughs> <laughs> so the slippery dip is is how I visualize the customer journey. So if imagine riding a slippery dip, like you visualize uh, the playground. There's a local playground on the local you know street corner, and there's there's many uh, playground uh, pieces of equipment in the playground. You know, you, as as you kind of park and you look at the playground, you'll see a slippery dip, you'll see a swing, you'll see a little bulldozer thingy, and you'll see. Can a Can I just jump in here? Hit me. And make sure that for any of our people who are not in Queensland, he's talking about a slide. It's it's called a slippery dip. Thank it's you. It's called a slide, but it's, moving on. It's a it's a dip. So it's awkward you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> slide. Moving on. <laughs> so so because uh, because when I start thinking about processes, I'm also trying to envisage the process that I have no control over, which is the. People have turned up at the, at the playground and they've seen everything. And I've got control over how I can be seen. I've got some control over how the playground, like playground can be seen. I can maybe go and tidy out the playground. Um, and just to, just so you can see the correlation, the playground is the whole wedding market. Um, you know, it's it's all of us there. We're all it's the wedding fair, it's the Google, it's the easy weddings. It's it. We're all there. You know, celebrants all there, and there's other there's photographers and everyone's there. And that's the playground. And I've got some influence in the playground. But generally, each play, each piece of playground equipment is really responsible for itself, and I'm responsible responsible for mine. This slippery dip. Uh, so, so there's a time in their life where the couple don't even know they want to go to the playground. They don't even know they want a wedding. Like they're just not even thinking about it yet. But all of a sudden, bam, we're on game, and we're thinking about weddings. We're thinking about playgrounds, and they turn up to the playground. What do they see? So before they even start on my customer journey, before they've even taken the steps up the slippery dip to go down it. Um, I, like I'm responsible for how do I look? What's my marketing and branding look like? And and that really really requires a real out of body experience. That's I'm I'm very I'm always trying to step outside of our business and look at it from the end from the outside. Sometimes I'll do that by asking for advice. Or I'll, I I might even message you, Sarah, and say, hey, "What do you think of this?" Or I'll ask a stranger. I love going to a cafe, and if I'm working on stuff, I'll ask one of the baristas or someone like that. Just an opinion, because I always want to get the outside opinion, because I think that's more valid than mine. Like, yes, I know my business, and I've got lots of valid opinions, but I know for so long, um, I uh, all of my SEO was all based on marriage celebrant, because I'm like, that's what I'm a marriage celebrant, and then I still, I'll never forget this day that I sat down with a friend who now is the um, senior marketing um, leader, legend, human at Uber, and uh, she goes, "So where are you for a Gold Coast wedding celebrant on Google?" Like, <laughs> like, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not a wedding celebrant. I'm, I'm, I'm a marriage I'm a, I'm a, celebrant. I'm a marriage celebrant. <laughs> and you might think, oh, that's they're two drastically um, very similar things, but they're drastically different. They're completely different. And particularly when, the, when you're working on SEO, that's, that's chalk and cheese. And, uh, and, I, and I still remember when I sat down and I showed a friend, Morgan, my, my new website I designed, and he started using it all wrong. And I'm like, you're using it wrong. <laughs> And clearly he wasn't using it wrong. Clearly I designed it terribly. So, God, it's, I love it's hard, that he was man. using it wrong. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah humans are, are wrong. Humans are wrong. Morgan's a little bit stupid. Like I love him. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So before they've even gotten to me and they've started on my processes, the individual Josh processes, I'm always taking into account, like, like what do I look like from the outside as they're walking through the playground? Uh, what is my playground? So what is my piece of playground equipment? My slippery slide or dip for some people. Um, what is it? What does it look like? And so, uh, you know, are other people on it? Are other people riding the, the slide? Yeah, but because if you're walking through a cafe district, like if you're walking down, um, I've just had a mind blank. What's what's the what's the famous Italian um, street in Melbourne? Ligon Street. Ligon, thank you. I said a mind blank. If you're walking down Ligon Street, um, like you, you don't want to go to the busiest place that's got a line for kilometres down the road because you're going to be waiting for hours. But you also equally don't want to go to the place where there's no one at because you're like, what is wrong with that place? <laughs> So, so I, I want my slippery dip to seem busy, but not too busy. Um, I want to seem accessible because I'm still an individual, and uh, and this also starts playing into my processes. Where for a long time I had an assistant helping me, and it wasn't even a real assistant; it was just a fake assistant, <laughs> and because I thought that was a good look. But then I thought I'm, I'm such a personal business; I'm selling such a personal service. Um, it's not a good look to look to to, to look like that, and so I. Uh, I, I dropped that and I'm, I'm now personal. You've retired, all... Abby. Yeah, right. Abby's been gone for about a year and a half now. Good job. Good yeah, job. She's gone, gone back to stripping. So Excellent. Um, it was good for her. Lucky Abby. <laughs> <laughs> um, Abby never existed, just so you know. Just for listeners who are like, why is Josh advocating for Abby to go back to stripping? Um, Abby's a fake person, but her her name could have been one that a person who stripped did have. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, so, uh, so before they've even started experiencing my processes and my awesome CRM and all that kind of thing, I've got to be aware that um that there there are processes in place that I've got no effect over. So they're walking through the playground. They've gotten to me, and uh, and I I view this slippery dip uh, like this: that the the stairs up the slippery dip to the top of the slippery dip. That's the sales process. That's the engagement. The lead. The back and forth, the meetings, the this is how much I am, that kind of thing. Um, the top of the slippery dip is where they say yes, and they flick the switch to say yes, you are my celebrant, and they do whatever processes are required there. And then the wee all the way down the bottom, that's them getting married, going through the whole planning their ceremony, and um saying wee <laughs> and they get to the bottom and they're all smiling and everything and and they jump off um the only difference is i hope they don't come around and do it again i'd kind of hope that they it's just a one ride only that's that's my hope <laughs> sure good one <laughs> not really yep not, not really aiming for repeat customers so um so that's how i view my my processes and systems and i'll just open up a little bit on all of those because uh my systems and processes are all about the journey not about trying to fit an existing system or process. So Julie, um, you were uh, emailed through the week um, asking about different CRMs. So she has a good paper diary, Excel system, um, but she's looking at 17 Hats, Tave, um, Dubsado. Uh, there's also Studio Ninja, which is an Australian system, which is really good that I know a lot of my friends are using. And uh, and I've got to be honest with you. Um, I've I've looked at Seventeen Hats briefly, looked at Tave um, briefly. I've heard about Dubsido and I've looked at Studio Ninja um, briefly. And the only reason I'm not using any of them, and I'm not actually using any real CRM, I'm, I'm using. I've got a, I've got an app that kind of it augments my email, but it's still just email. Like it just kind of adds. It just kind of it's just an extra layer on top of my email, um, and that's called Help Scout. 
But uh, but the reason I haven't gone all in on them is because I've developed this customer journey that's really awesome for my customers. That creates an awesome experience for them. It creates the wee, and it makes sure that they have um, an A to Z awesome experience with me. And Seventeen Hats Tave Dubsido Studio Ninja, to my current knowledge, can't deliver that today. So instead of being focused on the journey, not on the tools. And as there are tools that can make that journey better, I employ those tools. So, for example, um, let's uh, start at the bottom of the slippery dip. So they 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 get in touch. I want everyone to do that via email. So that's all. That, that's part of me deciding on a process. I'm saying I want all of my clients to contact me via email. Yes, they can Facebook message, and yes, they can email. Uh, they can call. And I've got those two avenues open because I don't want to exclude people that want to call and exclude people that want to Facebook message. I don't want to exclude them from talking to me because I'm like I'm not a wanker, but I'd much rather they email. When they do call or when they do Facebook message, I'll push them back to email because email is is a backbone of my customer journey because an email, I can see the last time we emailed and keep on top of them. So hopefully, whether they do email originally or they phone or they Facebook message, I get them into email and from there... I start the process. So the process is me say, hey, I'm available for your wedding. I'd love to be a celebrant. Um, I send them a video through BombBomb, which I think I might have mentioned on the podcast before. You did, which is yep. cool. Last time, yep. Yep. Um, and so I send them that. From there, the next process is that we want to talk either on the phone, Skype, or in person. I prefer in person, but it's not always possible. Um, and uh, and I, 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 am, I, I know we've talked about a lot of these things over the over different podcasts, but I'm trying to hook them back into processes because my, my process – through that whole getting up the stairs, there's only one thing I want them to do, and that's to fill out my booking form. If they can fill out my booking form, then that's process number one tick. If you're looking at my checklist, that's check the fit of the booking form. What happens when they fill out the booking form? Um, you can view the booking form. I'd ask that you wouldn't fill it out um, just because it would create a process nightmare in my life. But you can look at marriedbyjosh.com forward slash booking, and the password on that form is 2018, 2018. Uh, and so if they fill out that form, it asks for their date, location, their both their names, both their genders, um, uh, what are the vendors that got involved, how they found me. But at the bottom of the form, two things that are really important to me. Uh, well, obviously, dates and names are very important as well. But the two things at the bottom of the form that are important to me is, A, they sign my contract, and they sign their contract by submitting payment uh, and clicking complete. And that on payment, they accept the terms of the contract. I don't need them to sign a separate contract. I don't need to confuse them all. But I do ask that they read it and look through it all. And it's there and it's honest and it's open. Um, and the second thing, and I've already alluded to it, payment. Uh, that in the booking form, I take their credit card payment in the form. So they can book me in, pay, read the contract in one fair swoop. And that's process number one ticked. They're booked. And I make it clear to everyone that... Without that form, without the form, without the service contract, without the money, no one's booked in anywhere. So I'm not holding dates. I'm not like waiting for you to get back to me. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't do any of that. That's too much work. And if you have too many processes and too many cogs, you're bound to start stuffing up. So I'm always trying to simplify the journey so that I can keep on track of it all without having 30 staff working under me, which would cost me a whole lot more and having to be more expensive. So process number one, booking form. From there, I've, um, I reply and I say process number two, notice of intent. So uh, I know some celebrants want to do the notice of intent on the sales meeting, on the booking, uh, on the on the booking meeting. 
Um, I don't want to confuse those really happy emotional times with this super boring form. <laughs> the form is very important. And obviously, if they're getting married in 33 days, then we might look at doing the notice of intent on the sales meeting. <laughs> um, but generally speaking, 99% of my clients are getting married in 6, 12, 18 months. So we can leave the knowing for then a couple of days. So uh, so step two process is that I, um, I asked them to fill out marriedbyjosh.com forward slash complete NOAM. And that form, it isn't even one of my forms. It's actually a form from um, that redirects to the Celebrant Suite. Uh, Ivan uh, up in Ely Beach, he makes a connection into the Celebrant Suite called, I think it's called Celebrant Suite Connection, Celebrant Connection. Um, and it's essentially a web form that then imports into Celebrant Suite. So I've got all the forms in there because I still use Celebrant Suite to, to manage all of that data. Um, as much as I'm retyping it back into the Queensland BDM because Queensland BDM is actually, it's nice for couples now that they can get an email to request their marriage certificate. Um, everyone else, I'll just put it through Celebrant Suite because it's more, it's nice, it's beautiful, it works well, um, and I can print all the forms down, that kind of thing. So step one, booking form, which includes money, um, uh, service contract, and obviously all the important details. And when they fill out the booking form, I forgot I should have mentioned Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R, that it, that inserts the all the booking form data into my calendar. So if I if you fill out the booking form and go click, not only does it create a calendar item saying Jack and Jill are getting married on this date at this place at this time and it's in the calendar. It also creates an invoice in zero. So my invoice um, invoicing and money goes through zero. Um, if they put their credit card details in, it takes the money off their credit card straight away and it's in my bank account the next day. Uh, but from there, I obviously move on to step two process, which is uh, getting the nine completed. And then from there, I actually start losing process. Hang on a second. Hit me. So you get them to fill in the uh, slash complete noim. And that goes to Celebrant Suite. Then what do you do? Do you email them a PDF and tell them to print it out and get it signed at a police station, or what do you? How do you get the norm lodged with you? Yeah, so I, I was about to move into that. That, that becomes oh, sorry. The, that, that becomes the messy part of my processes, which I'm okay with because. As Cliffo alluded to, this is a very personal business, and I don't want it to be all computerized. And hello, I am your celebrant. Please enter this. Yeah, you know, I. <laughs> we'll be humans. We're we so it's messy, and humanity's messy. Weddings are messy. Like planning because it's you know they're doing that and they're doing that. There's no set process there. So from here, and this includes signing the norm because I'd I'd like to sign the norm with the couple. Um, maybe I don't know. Maybe one or two or three times a month. Um, there's a couple who I can't get the norm with. Uh, in person. So I'll send them a PDF and get them to sign it with a JP or a cop. But, uh, but from here, the, the, the messy process is catching up because I want to have between one to three to four meetings with a couple before the wedding. Um, and there's no set number of meetings we need to have. Some couples will do it all in one or two meetings. Some couples will need four and there's just, it's just such a personal thing. But how I manage that is I tell everyone to go to marriedbyjosh.com forward slash cal, C-A-L, and uh, that's where they can book a time with my calendar. And um, it, that, that online system is run by Calendly, C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y, and Calendly looks into my calendar, sees when I want I'm available, and it's got different parameters. Like I say, I'm not available this day. I am available that day. And you can go and look at these links right now. I ask you not to book in a time. Um, and... Uh, and so I just I, I tell them let's catch up soon. And at the time, I um I complete their norm with them. I cite their ID, um, enter all that into Celebrant Suite, uh, print out the norm onto my iPad and sign it on the iPad, and it all lives inside my Dropbox there. 
but the processes from there become a little bit messy. The um, Where processes kick back in is when we're about two weeks out from the wedding. And so I have a Zapier looking through my calendar for when weddings are coming up. And if there's a, a wedding event in my calendar soon, Zapier looks for that event and it creates an, a to-do item in my to-do in my to -do list. So I use an app called Todoist, T-O-D-O-I-S-T. And Zapier says, there's a wedding coming up, put a few items in Todoist. And so first of all, it puts an item in there for today saying, check in with the couple, see how they're going. It's two weeks out. Um, and so I just, in, in the next few days, I'll get on the phone. If I can't get on the phone, send, send them an email, whatever it might be, just touch base and say, hey, it's your celebrant marrying you soon if you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, just kind of clear up any, like maybe they're still sending me their vows to print out or maybe there's, you know, I'll just kind of go through my notes and see if there's any loose ends I need to tie up, make sure I've got any pronunciations down pat, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, the other ones are, are important as well. Um, if, uh, I think five days out from the wedding, I get a to-do item to print out their paperwork, make sure I get their paperwork and everything prepped and um, printed out and ready to go. Um I, uh, I also make one because uh, I print out my couple's names onto a hard card and so I'll put a to-do item, print their vows. Uh, and then two days after the wedding event, I have a to-do to -do item automatically created by Zapier to um, uh, process their marriage registration. And each state has a different process. So I just say process and I'll figure it out for whichever state it is. And then for... Two months later, I have a to-do to -do item to contact the photographer and ask for photos. Nice. Very and nice. that's kind of my processes. I, I've, I've gone back and forth on so many different automated processes before, but so many of them took the humanity out of what I'm doing. And that's – I'm literally selling that. I'm selling me being human and me being um, nice and lovely and whatnot. Um, but, uh, but I – I didn't want to lose my nerdiness and my ability to help <laughs> and to be awesome um, without losing my humanity. So I've tried to keep those two two things engaged together and that's kind of where I've got to. That I've got these – I suppose a lot of my processes are just based around reminders. So either through the to-do list, um, in my email system, Help Scout um, – there's two kinds of email conversations in there. One of them is a lead or one of them is a booking. If it's a lead, every six days, it just gets reactivated. It's saying, hey, Josh, do something with this. And I'll look at the lead and I'll make a decision what to do. Do I call? Do I email? Do I whatever? Do I yeah, delete it? Um, and then if you're a booking, every six weeks, I get the same thing. It just gets reactivated. So, hey, Josh, it's been six weeks. Do something with this. So every six weeks, I'm making a decision to either do nothing or to call or to email or to whatever it is a couple so that... Over the course of the journey, like, I don't want them to be like, oh, bloody every six weeks the arsehole calls me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I did want to also, I didn't want to be absent because my greatest fear is that, and this is stupid, but that people would call me um, or email me and go, oh, hey, Josh, I don't know if you've forgotten us. It's, it's Jack and Jill. Um, you're marrying us in a month. And I'm like, yeah, of course I know who you are. Like, don't, don't make that phone call. So I want to be on the front foot. Yeah, because uh, there was an article for, by Seth Godin today. It's on his blog today. So if, when you listen to this, it might be a few days old. But um, he said there's two kinds of customer service. There's there's a, a reactive customer service and proactive customer service. And the proactive customer service requires you to to think about it and say, look, I wonder how I could serve them. That would create trust and that would create um, 
a good brand and create a good experience and a good customer journey so that they're on the sleepy dip going, wee. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about that proactive customer service so that um, so that my clients – and I hope you would see this in my reviews and comments from couples that they, they trust me. You know, and and that's because that's that's a good review, in my opinion. A good review isn't Josh did a great ceremony. Like, cool. Well, like, you know what? If we've gotten to 2018 and creating a good ceremony is still a rarity, like we as an industry have fucked up Major League. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, Very I, true. I, I understand that. Like, maybe there's variation in ceremony. Like, you know, maybe maybe that particular ceremony could have been better, or maybe maybe that celebrant's particularly better than that celebrant. Maybe totally, that's a thing. But generally, as a whole, I would hope that we're all we're all kicking ass in good ceremony. Um, and so, what I want my customers to do is say, yeah, yeah, of course he did a good ceremony. Um, but but we we trusted him and and he he created moments of joy for us and we felt relaxed at this and you know I, I a bride brought it up the other day that she um the her biggest struggle is that she's putting all this stuff into place but on the day she just has to leave it in her hands and I said exactly I said I'm, I'm not going to apologize for that that's no. that's why I charge what I charge and that's 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 why you hire me is because. Like between me and your photographer and your stylist and your venue and all these uh, the musicians, and so that's that's why you that's why you hired who you hired because you believe that on the day that you could trust us and absolutely all of our processes would play into that. Um, so I, I want to hear about your stuff in a second, Sarah. But I just want to kind of just back up with for people taking notes or wanting to know. Um, my processes are very human, and I view them as a customer journey, and 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 and. That you can you can visualize the journey however you want. Sometimes I like to view it as uh, the road. If you're going on a road trip between Sydney and Brisbane or Sydney and Melbourne, it used to be all through mountains, winding, winding, winding up and down. But slowly and surely, they've built bypasses and they've they've blown up mountains and they've they, yeah they've made the road straight, so it's a smooth customer journey instead of this rough long road. Um, and I view it particularly as a slippery dip. And most of it is just based around human processes, but I do use my website, which is uh, runs on WordPress, and I use Gravity Forms, which is the forms processor on there to process payments with Stripe. Um, and it's based around a lot of web forms uh, linked together with Zapier and my Google Suite Gmail and email. Um, and uh, Help Scout is the email. Uh, it's augmentation is probably the best way to describe it because it just sits on top of my email. I can still access my normal hello at marybyjosh.com email. But a help scout sits on top of it and just adds some context, um, and that I like that. Love Is that it. Good. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, and I think that we mentioned it. I'm, I talked about this in the last podcast, but uh, I think we have to remember that. Uh, not everybody is quite as technically minded as Josh is. So, uh, you know, don't be intimidated by the fact that he's built his own fancy pants process using all of these tools. Um, That's, you know, he's a nerd and he likes to do that stuff. You don't have to do any of that. It's amazing if you can go out and build those things, but there are things, products available that will do 95% of what you want them to. So, Please don't feel intimidated like I sometimes do when I listen to Josh talk about his fancy process. But, uh, like, um, also, it's yes, there's a few nerdy things in there, but a lot of that is very unnerdy. Like, like yes, Zapier automatically puts the booking form into the calendar, but you can also just create a calendar item. You could just yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and yes, I've got an online booking form that gets the details and it gets them to sign the contract. But that's very, very, very similar to a paper form. Oh, uh, absolutely. It's just, it's just no, a digital it's, version of it. So yes. It's, it's, it's not – like I'm not going to the moon and back. I've just – you know, I'm just hovering a few feet above the earth. Um, it's, you're just it's not- using you're using technical online electronic tools to do what we have done with paper for centuries. Uh, and some people though feel um, overwhelmed or intimidated by the, that technology, and they go, "Oh, I could never do that." Well, you could. You know, it's it's not like you you need to invest a bit of time and energy into making these things work. But they're all eminently doable. But don't feel that your paper is not okay. No, and and I would hope, and, and I understand if I might not have communicated this well enough. But I, I much more value the the process and the system much more than the electronic. The nerdy of it. tool, yes, yeah, because I think the system's more important. And and, so- and I also know that because I've watched your system evolve considerably over the time that I've known you. And you're always looking at different tools that will make your customer journey better So for your customer. So you're not looking at things that will make your life easier necessarily. You're always looking for different tools, electronic tools, whatever kind of tools they are that will integrate and will make your customer journey better and less painless for more painless for the cup for the couple for the client so it's not a sort of even a set and forget and off you go these things are always evolving and always changing and with whatever the technology is of the day and but it's all in uh designed to help the customer journey and that the journey is the most important thing not whatever fancy electronic item you use to make that happen Let's hear about yours. Okay. So mine. Well, I'm uh, a little more structured in terms of that middle section, but let me start at the start. I will start uh, knowing that at the moment uh, I'm using an online CRM called Tave, which has changed my life and I adore it to bits. But I am going to talk about my systems pre-Tave and post-Tave because actually for me, the client journey is pretty much the same. I'm just using a different tool now to make that happen. So I'm going to talk about both because I think it's important for people to see that paper and the electronic can, as we just talked about, can do pretty much the same thing. So my, uh, I love people to email me uh, for their opening contact. But again, like you, I do get phone calls, text messages, Facebook messages. I'm always fascinated when I then email somebody and they text message me the response. (laughs) I'm always amazed by that because I'm kind of like, clearly you love text messages, but wasn't it more work for you to open the email, then go out of the email client, open your text messaging and type in the response than just typing the response in the email. But anyway, that's another issue. That's another thing. It's a human thing and that's fine. It's not a problem. So they inquire and I am, I have a real thing about making sure that people know how much I cost before I meet with them because I'm very transparent about how much I charge. It's on my website. I have different packages, all of that sort of thing. And I 
am busy and time poor enough that I don't want to meet with people who can't afford me. Um, And I understand that there's a sales thought that if you present enough value, uh, people will make room in their budget for you. But that's not what I have found happens for me and my clients. So I'm very upfront with this is what I give you and this is what I charge. Uh, Would you like to sit down for a meeting? And of course, I've checked my availability also. So then we sit down for a chat. Now, I was listening to a podcast the other day uh, about the sales process. And I was listening to this person say, as the salesperson, you should not speak more than 50% of the sales meeting. And the majority of what you should say should be in 30 second to one minute bursts. And you should be doing a lot of asking questions of your client of what it is that they want. And I thought to myself, I'm doing it all wrong. Because in my sales meeting, I pretty much talk all of the time. And to be honest, I ask very few uh, questions of the client at that stage. The reason is that I have found with the couples who I work with, they don't know the answers to my questions at that stage. They know they need a celebrant, but they don't really know what that means. They might have never been to a wedding. They might have only been to church weddings. They have no idea the scope of what can be included in a civil ceremony. So when I say to them, what kind of wedding do you want? They go, they either go, "Mm, I don't know, or they go relaxed, laid back, not boring, without fail every single time. That's what they say, every client. So I stopped asking those questions. The one question that I do ask is, have you ever seen anything at a wedding that you would really like to not have happen at your wedding? And vice versa, have you ever seen anything that you would love to have happen at your wedding? They're the questions I do ask. But other than that, for me, it's about educating them about what I do. So I walk them through my information booklet, which is a booklet that I send to them if they decide to go ahead and book me. And it takes them through first of all, the legalities of getting married. So the requirements for getting married in Australia, the forms we're going to fill in, what documents they need to produce, the fact they need witnesses, those sorts of things. We talk a little bit about venues and plan Bs and um, wedding parties and music and those sorts of things. And then we go through a traditional outline of a ceremony, uh, looking at each of the steps in a traditional ceremony and what the options might be for each of those sections. And a lot of the time I get to the end of that section and they go, wow, I had no idea that there were so many parts to a ceremony. I kind of just thought we turned up and said, I do, and that's it. And I'm like, well, you don't have to say I do at all, but hey, you know, that's fine. So, you know, often they've kind of gone, wow, you've given me so much information that I didn't know about. So that for me is part of my sales process is showing them that I have lots of resources and that there are lots of different things they can do in their ceremony. And then I give them lots of options. Then I show them my, um, my service agreement and my payment information and what they get for, I reiterate what they get for the amount of money they're spending. And then I say, it's been really great meeting you. Uh, I'm going to follow up with you in a couple of days, but here's my card. If you have any questions before then, please don't hesitate to phone or email me at any time. And invariably they wait until I follow up with them and then they go, yes, we'd love to book. Great. Amazing. 
So at that point, I know that this is the point where Josh gives them a website to go to to uh, fill in the booking form. Tave works a little bit differently from that in that I essentially need to put together some information and send them a link. I suppose it's similar they get a link and anyway, blah, blah, blah. So I send them an email out of Tave and it says, thanks very much for confirming that you'd like to book me. I'm really looking forward to working together. Here's what you need to do now. And it has five dot points that talk about the steps that Tave is going to take them through to confirm their booking. The first one is confirm the package that they want and add any extras. So if they want extra meetings, if they want me to wear a costume, they add those extras in. The second step is to confirm their payment schedule. So usually I take 50% upfront and the final 50% is due one month before the ceremony. But I'm also instituting uh, where you can pay 50% upfront and then the remainder is due in monthly installments because that's something that Tave offers uh, just out of the box, which is really handy. So if people want to do that, they can. When they click next, the next step is for them to enter all of their contact details. So obviously I have some of those already because I've already corresponded with at least one of the couple. So I might have, you know, one of their names and an email address and sometimes a phone number, but I might not have that information for both clients. So I ask them to put in that information and their home address and also confirm the details of their ceremony. So the venue, the date and the time. They click next and it takes them to the service agreement. Now, my service agreement is long and in-depth, but for me, it's about setting the expectations so that in the unlikely event that something goes wrong, we know how we're going to manage it because they've signed this service agreement. And uh, Tave is very clever and basically they sign it by typing their names into the appropriate boxes at the bottom of the agreement and Tave captures the metadata of the IP address that they signed it from and the geography of where they were in the world and what time and date and yada yada, it's all very cool. Then they click next and it takes them to the information about paying my booking fee. They can either pay by credit card, uh, which goes through directly, or it gives them information about directly depositing the cash, the money into my bank account, which of course then they need to go to their bank account client and do that. So some people, most people are choosing to pay by credit card, which is okay. After they've done all of that information, all of that, it though Tave sends me a bunch of emails saying this person has uh, filled out your questionnaire for their contact details. They have signed your service agreement and they have paid the booking fee. And once the booking fee hits my bank account, I send them a receipt and then I send them a copy, an electronic copy of the booklet that I went through at our first session. Now, I don't give that booklet out until I have the money because part of that is my IP. It's my process. It's the way I operate. And I have actually sat in meetings where couples have come to me and gone, oh, this other celebrant that we met with, she gave us this pack of vows and we want to use this vow because we really liked it. I don't really want people taking my material to other celebrants. So I'm a, I'm a little bit precious about that, but I know that other people aren't so fast. That's just the way I like to work. Uh, and in, in that email where I send them the booklet, I say, we're, we're going to talk about what's in this booklet at our next meeting, which will be three months before your wedding. So feel free to contact me at any time if you have any issues before then but I will be in touch three months before your wedding to plan our next meeting. And that's it. They don't hear from me again until three months before, unless they've got an issue or, you know, something happens. 
Now, I just want to rewind a little bit and go through my pre-Tave process because it's exactly the same except for the tools that I use to send out that information. So again, they inquire, we meet, uh, I say, I'm going to follow up with you and they say, yes, great, we're going to book you. So at that point, I used to send them an email asking them to pay the booking fee up front. That was the first thing that they did. And I also asked them to provide me in response to that email with those contact details, their you know phone numbers and address and yada, yada. After the booking fee hit my account, I would print hard copy a welcome letter. Thanks so much for paying the booking fee. This is what's in this pack two copies of my celebrant service agreement in which I'd already filled in the information about their ceremony, date, time, all that kind of thing. Uh, one copy, and I've, I'd already signed both of them, and one copy was designed for them to keep and one for them to post back to me. Also in that pack, there would be a hard copy of the booklet. Now, my booklet's like 30 pages long, and I used to bind it with a clear plastic cover and a um, heavy black cardboard back. So I'd put all of that information and a receipt for their booking fee. All of that information would go in a big envelope that cost me $3 to post out. And I'd included in it a self-stamped addressed envelope so they could post back the uh, signed service agreement. So exactly the same information was going out as now that I use Tave, just in a different format. And what Tave has done for me is reduce the time of administering that new booking from an hour to print and bind and put all of that pack together to about seven minutes to go through the the quote process and make sure that I'm asking them for all the correct information and so forth. So that's what changing the tools has done for me. And I also find that the system then is smoother for my client because they just follow the steps. Tave takes them through all the steps. They just fill it in online and they're done. They don't have to sign anything by hand. They don't have to post it to me. There's none of that included. So that's my, my booking process. So then three months before the ceremony, I get in touch with them again and I say, hi guys, it's time for our planning and legals meeting. I say, uh, at this ceremony, at this meeting, we're going to fill out the notice of intended marriage. So please bring with you the documents that I've mentioned in the booklet, passport, birth certificate, proof of end of previous marriages, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we're also going to start to plan your ceremony. So please make sure you've had a really good read of the booklet and decide what you would like or not like, or what you want more information on. And please bring that printed copy of the booklet to the meeting with you. And here's my availability Blah, blah, blah. I used Calendly for a little while uh, for booking those meetings based on Josh's recommendation, but I found it didn't give me as much control over my diary as I wanted to have. So even though I'm pretty good at blocking out periods of time for travel and those sorts of things, sometimes I also want to be able to look at my diary and go, you know what, I've already got three bookings in that week I don't, or three nights that I'm out at meetings that week. I don't want to put another one in. So I'm just not going to send that to them as availability. And I want to be able to make those decisions on the fly and not sort of formally block out that time in my calendar that Calendly would then read it as as unavailable. Can I throw you a tip on that? Please do. So, uh, and this is for anyone else using Calendly. Um, I've got a miscellaneous calendar, which I can sometimes just hide. Uh, and you might call it Calendly block, block out or something like that. Um because in Calendly, you can already say, you can say things like, I'm available every Monday between nine and five. Or you can say, 
this Monday I'm available between 9 and 3, next Tuesday 4 and 6, blah. And you can say, I only want to do three meetings a day and I want an hour buffer between each meeting that goes for 60 minutes. You can set all those parameters. It's actually really smart. But like Sarah said, sometimes on the fly you're like, ah, just I just don't want to book anything else that week and I don't want them to go there and say, ah, that's available. So I've got a, I've got a, I've got a calendar because in Google Calendar you can have a bunch of different calendars. You've got a personal calendar, business calendar, and they all display on the one calendar screen in different colors and you can tick, you can check the checkbox to make it go like hide and then check it again to bring it back. So um, in my miscellaneous calendar, I just, uh, if if I know that that's Saturday or whatever day, if I know that that day is available in Calendly, but I don't want it to be, I'll just drag and drop a whole um, a whole appointment and say it's a it's a 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. appointment and I'll just say not available. And so that completely removes it from Calendly straight away. Absolutely. And I did try to do that and I, and I was – I was okay at doing that, but then I really, I still wanted to be able to on the fly, literally when somebody is wanting to book a meeting that day, go, I don't want to meet with that person that day. I might be happy to have a different kind of meeting that day. So I don't actually want it to be blocked out. I just don't want to have that type of meeting that day. So for me, it just didn't give me enough control over my calendar. And that's because I'm kind of a control freak. Um, but I, I see that Calendly is a really useful tool and I definitely encourage people who struggle with their calendar management to have a look at that. Um, but, yeah, it just wasn't – just didn't really work for me, which is fine. So I send them my availability and they come back and they book in a date and they're really excited and it's all great and we sit down. And I have a paper form that I fill out with them while I'm sitting at the meeting. So they come to the meeting. I go, oh, it's so nice to see you, yada, yada. And I say, first of all, we're going to do some boring legal paperwork. So I ask them to give me their identity documents. I give them the happily ever before and after. And then I show them again, because I've already shown them in the first meeting. I show them the NOIM. I say, this is what we're going to fill out today. Uh, And then I start filling out the NOIM by hand based on the identity documents that they've presented me. And I, I do that, A, because I don't like other people's handwriting on my forms because, once again, control freak, but also because then I know it's correct and I know that I'm going to fill it out correctly because I know how to do it because I've done 200 and something of them uh, and I'm not going to have to put lines through it and, you know, make it a messy form because then it's going to hurt my eyes and I'm not going to like that. So I fill it in for them and I often find things to talk about with them while I'm filling that in. Oh, look, both your mums have the same middle name. Did you know that? Or look, your birthdays are only two days apart. That's, you know, that's so interesting. Talk to me about how you celebrate your birthdays. It's random stuff, but sometimes it just brings something up that's an interesting conversation point and that works for me. So I fill it in. I get them to check that what I filled in is correct and then they sign and the norm is lodged. Beautiful. Uh, because I do that three months before the wedding, I'm, I'm always, I've never got to a point where, oh my God, the norm is due tomorrow and I haven't met with them yet because my process reminds me to make, to create a a meeting with them. So after we've done the norm, I say, great, now we're going to do some fun ceremony planning stuff. And I pull out my booking form. So my paper booking form started as an eight page behemoth because it was capturing 
every single piece of information about this couple. So it was capturing all of their contact details, uh, whether they'd paid, uh, which documents I'd seen for the NOIM, whether I'd printed their certificates, uh, when their meetings were, all of that kind of thing. Over time, it evolved to five pages and I'm currently sitting at three pages because I've just stripped out all the information that Tave captures so that all that I've got on that paper form when I sit down in front of them is the information that I want to collect from them in that meeting. So uh, I confirm if they have a nickname that they'd like to be presented with, used, you know, during the ceremony. Uh, I confirm the details of their ceremony, what time they've written on the invitation, those kinds of things. Uh, I confirm the names of their bridal party or wedding party, who's going to witness their certificates, if someone's going to walk them down the aisle. And I talk about family sensitivities. I talk about, and that conversation is about, is there anything I need to know that's difficult in your family? For example, are the bride's parents divorced and it's not amicable and I should therefore not suggest that they sit together? Because that stuff's important for me to know because often I'll just go, oh, parents can't sit here in the front row together, bloody blah, blah. And then they're looking daggers at each other and it's no good. So if I know that ahead of time, I won't make that mistake. Uh, so it's good for me to know those kinds of things. Then we go on to the actual ceremony bit. And this is where I work through my booklet with them and they tell me which bits they want to include, which bits they don't want to include. They tell me if they like any of the samples that I've given them for each of those bits or if they want me to provide them with more information. Uh, are they going to write their own vows? What the music have they chosen? Bloody blah, blah. Sometimes they'll go, can you give us more information on this? Can you provide us some reading samples, some a list of music, uh, some help with writing our own vows? And I say, yep, no problem. So, and also if they want to if they want me to tell their story during their ceremony, which not every couple does, I also say to them, I'm going to send you a questionnaire for you to answer about your uh, story because I find that I get much richer answers when they're writing them, when they've got time to sit and think about what they want to say rather than telling them to me in person. That's just how I find works better. I know that some celebrants find they get better responses in person, so whichever works. So once I've got all that information, the next day I send them an email with the questionnaire for their uh, story, if they want reading samples, vows, music, bloody blah, blah. And again, I have a template in Tave. All I have to do is type in the, uh, their name and send it off. So that's the second meeting. And then I, I guarantee them that I will have a script to them four to six weeks before the ceremony. They're questionnaire is due to me a month before the ceremony. So I will often send them a script that is missing their story. Uh, but it's also got highlighted any other bits that are missing. So if they haven't chosen all their music, it'll say TBC, blah, blah. And in my email, I say to them, anything in red font is legally required and can't be changed. Anything highlighted in yellow requires information from you. They get me their story back, uh, their questionnaires back, and I'll write their story about two to three weeks before their ceremony. I usually see them for a rehearsal if they want one uh, a week before the ceremony and then we have the actual ceremony day. In terms of their paperwork, if we're having a rehearsal, I take the certificate of marriage with the Don Lim on the back and a just a copy on plain paper of what's going to go on their presentation certificate and I get them to check all of that and sign the Declaration of No Legal Impediment to Marriage at the rehearsal. 
If they're not having a rehearsal, I send them an email with those documents attached and ask them to check that I haven't made any mistakes. Because sometimes, you know, you might make a mistake when you're typing from the NOIM to their certificate. So I send those ahead of time so that they can check them and then the onus is on them to check those details. So if they come back and BDM has made a mistake, um, I can, or, you know, they've made a mistake, I can say, well, you checked it. So that's not on me because I sent it to you and you checked and you said it was fine. And do you drop the mic at that point? <laughs> Luckily it's only happened once and I said to her, this is why I sent it to you to check. And she went, oh, yeah, I missed that bit. It was her own dad's name. Yeah, and then just walk yeah. off. I pretty much do. Feeling really proud of that yourself. <laughs> but it, it does put the onus back on them to be careful about making sure that they're looking at these things carefully. Um, the other thing that's worth mentioning is with Tave, uh, once I book in a, for example, a premium wedding, it automatically produces a task list. So that's a pre-organized task list that I've created, you know, when I start, when I set up Tave that has every reminder, every to-do item that I need to do for that wedding. And it has due dates that are based on the job date. So for example, uh, there'll be a reminder organized planning meeting three months before job date. And then automatically that populates with what date that is, of course, because I've put the job date in. And then that gives me a to-do list uh, in Tave on my dashboard of the next 50 tasks that I have to do. And that's really great because it means I don't have to think. It just tells me what to do next and in what order based on the due dates. And of course, then after the ceremony is finished, I have, uh, I have, more tasks. So uh, submit the wedding to BDM, post the documents, send them a thank you email with instructions about how to apply for their certificate and asking for a review and for photos. And uh, and when their marriage is registered through, when BDM shows me the marriage is registered, send them another email saying marriage is registered, you can apply for your certificate. And then I need to add that one on two months later about getting to the photographer. I'm working on that. So that's my process. It is much more structured than Josh's, uh, particularly in that middle section where he's kind of like, yeah, contact me when you're ready for a meeting. I'm like, no, I want to meet you at this time. Uh, And this is what we're going to do at that meeting. And that's what works for me because I'm a process-driven person. I've worked with checklists and forms for as long as I can remember. That's how I function. Uh, I remember sitting in a meeting with my boss when I was the assistant to the director of the National Trauma Research Institute and I'd written a checklist for his uh, travel bookings and he went, where'd you get that from? And I said, I wrote it. And he went, what? You wrote it? Like you wrote a checklist yourself. I'm like, yeah, dude, it's not hard. Anyway, because he was a surgeon, surgeons are all about checklists uh, and checklists are really valuable in making sure that mistakes don't happen and that process is followed. Uh, I'm going to throw something else in here that I'm more than happy to put my process documents, my old checklist and my old booking form and things like that up on our shop for people to purchase and download. Yeah. Yours is way more process driven than mine. And, and that, I suppose as everyone's heard the two different contrasts of process, um, you've you've got to got to recognise that the process has to work for you. It has to work for your product and your brand, and it has to work for your um like like it has to has to fit everything. Mm. Like 
it's it's okay for Sarah to have her process and me to have mine, and they're both valid. Um, like as long as they're both included as doing annoying, doing the paperwork, <laughs> and saying the monotone, yes. they're both valid processes. Absolutely. Because um, also, uh, I suppose to keep in mind, like not trying to defend my process, but to say why it's okay for me is um, I I rely very heavily on a certain kind of person employing me as their celebrant. And and that that's that's not about a better or worse. It's just like people like me, I, I want people like me to hire me. And people like me, like we appreciate we've got to do this, this and this, but but don't don't overwhelm me with too much stuff. Cause I go I, I would get overwhelmed by your processes. Like I, I, I as I've just heard you talk about them, I know that they're valid, good processes. Like there's nothing evil or wrong or bad about them. But I'm like, oh, God, that scares the hell out of me. (laughs) (laughs) And so I rely on the people that book me needing that process. So I often, my testimonials are often things like every time we had a question, Sarah then emailed us with the answer to that question before we'd even asked because, you know, that's how her process works. And she was so organized and efficient and it just, we didn't even have to think. It just all happened because she told us where we needed to be and when and told us what we needed to read and when and reminded us when things were due and that was it all just happened and it was great. So, again, that's about the type of client who books me versus the type of client who books you. Again, neither of them are wrong. They just work in different ways. I'll always remember, and I feel like I've probably even talked about it on this podcast before, there was um, shops in Esperance in Western Australia where I lived. I, used to, I did a breakfast radio there for a few years. And there were shops there that didn't have signs or, or shop fronts <laughs> because part of their product and part of their whole deal was, well, you know who we are. Yeah. Now, obviously, there was an issue because I didn't, but but that was that was their thing. Like, yeah, like how would you not know who we are? We're, yeah. we're the shop. Yeah. Um, and and if if that's okay for your business, then that's okay. But but we all operated different places and levels and different products and different prices and, and and that means different things for our processes. So hopefully Sarah and my processes would give you really good insight into yours. Hopefully you would feel liberated to to we'll say, well Josh did it that way and Sarah did it that way and I'm gonna do it this way. I'm gonna Absolutely. steal a bit from him, steal a bit from her and make my own. Because in the end, the most important thing is the journey you're taking the customer on. And like, just to go back on that analogy again, it might start out as a perfectly fine, windy road and it's a good road, but then slowly you just put a bypass in because you've realized you've been going too far and it's quicker to go this way. And and that'll just take time. So just yeah. don't, don't feel... Don't feel anything about it. Just feel encouraged that you can find your own way. Absolutely. it's a, it, All of these things are constantly evolving. I I had a coffee with a celebrant yesterday who came to watch me present a funeral and I walked him through my funeral booking form and, and process. And I, you know, I said to him, I think this is about the 10th iteration of this form because every time I go to a meeting with a family, I often go, I really needed to ask that and I forgot. So now I put it on my form. So these things evolve. They're constantly changing. I'm constantly adding new things to my to-do list, my workflow. I'm taking things out. I'm changing, you know, payment schedules. I'm 
you know, these things are constantly evolving. The more we learn, the more we work in the world and the more kinds of different clients we meet, because I really do try to, every time, for example, every time somebody asks me a question that I haven't already addressed in my booklet, I add something to the booklet to address that question. So I now get to the end of a sales meeting where I've gone through my process and my booklet and I go, do you have any questions? And they're like, you've literally covered, you've answered all of the questions we came in with and you've covered more. So that's kind of my goal to preempt any questions that people are going to come up with. And again, that's stuff that I learned from my previous working life, you know, things like running fellowship programs to give out grants to medical researchers every year I would put together a frequently asked questions package that was based on the questions people asked me last year. Because if I can tell them the answer before they think of the question, that's going to save both of us time. Uh, So yeah, it's a constant journey, evolving, changing all of those things and picking out what you like about what other people do and going, Oh, I don't like that. I'm not going to do it. That's fine. You have to figure out what works for you and for your product and for your clients. An encouragement for those, because I know I've got to do this for me, and Sarah, you should probably do it for yourself, but an encouragement to those that um that have that ever, ever-growing ever list of things that you address, which is so valid and so true, um, just don't be afraid to always just have a, have a flick through that and uh, and make sure that it's not full of stuff that was relevant 5, 10, Absolutely. 20 years ago. Absolutely. Um, so true. Yeah. So true. So always be adding, but also always be subtracting. Absolutely. I go through, I reckon I go through my booklet once at least every 12 months and go, that's not relevant anymore. People don't do that now. You know, I did, I did a big clean out of all of my processes when, uh, when the law changed for marriage equality to make sure that I was using inclusive language and things like that. And, and I would find things and I'd go, no, don't like that anymore. That's a few years old now it's going. And it's really important to keep doing that. So uh, I feel like we've um, addressed everything process-wise, um, but please, as always, there's going to be questions. There's, there's going to be things we didn't talk about, and so this is a really good opportunity to point you towards hello at celebrant.fm. Just was hoping, and I know we've gone way over time on this podcast, um, but, you know, hey, we're already there, so why not um, just go down the road for a few more, a few more minutes uh, I, I've experienced Tave. So for example, I've been invoiced from Tave and I've had an experience there. Um, but, uh, are you able to just give like a 60 second spiel? Why Tave? Like if you're considering Tave, use it for these reasons, or if you know, don't use Tave, if this is your kind of business model, just, just give us a bit of a, you know, yes or no. So the thing I love about Tave is that it, it really requires me not to think, once that once I've set it up properly and entered all my workflows and all my quotes and all my packages and blah blah, once everything's in there, I no longer have to think. So I don't have to hold information in my brain about where I'm up to with any of my clients because my to-do list on my dashboard will tell me this is what you should do next. This is what's outstanding. This is where you're up to. Brilliant. Uh, the other thing I love about Tave is that it's it does a lot of reporting. The reporting is not as strong as my zero reporting, for example. So I don't actually run all of my finances through Tave. I I run my client invoicing through Tave, but my expense management I do through zero still. Tave is an American product and it's not great at 
BAS reports for GST. So that's fine. They're working on it. They've been, they've asked me to send them what a BAS report looks like so that uh, they can possibly do that. But at this stage, I'm using zero, which is fine. But what Tave does do is give me a lot of reporting on, for example, my lead sources. Where are my jobs coming from? Uh, I can do a run a report on how long in advance did people book me before their wedding. I can run a report on how much money did I bring in for this package alone uh, during this year or during this six months or whatever time period I want. So the reporting is actually really important to me. I need to know where my leads are coming from so that I know where to invest my marketing spend in the future uh, and where to not invest my marketing spend in the future. Uh, I need to know what kind of packages people are booking. I need, it's really great for me to know that they're booking on average 10 months before for a premium wedding so that, you know, when it's January and I'm not fully booked for December, I don't freak out yet because the average is 10 months. So I've still got plenty of time. Um, so those things for me, it just makes my life easier. I don't have to think, but it has great reporting. Those are, those are the things for me that I love. Well, that sounds like another episode of the Celebrant Talk Show. Um, it's been amazing. Guys, I hope always. you didn't get bored. We did talk a lot, but that's okay. Hopefully it's useful. It's literally in the name, though, talk show. So this is true. <laughs> thing. Another shout-out for uh, the email address, hello at celebrant.fm. Um, I hope you would find that if you emailed us, we either addressed it in the show or just delivered it furiously because of question all of our bender biases. Um, <laughs> the second one's not true. Uh, but, you know, if there's things that you're struggling with in your business or if you heard us talk about all these processes and you're like, that is nowhere near where I'm at, uh, then maybe there's something a little bit closer to your home that we could um, we could help address, talk about, whatnot, because uh, you know, as much as this is really just fun for Sarah and I to do, it would just be bloody beautiful if it was, if it was good for you as well. So, Absolutely. Hello. If you have any legal questions as well, please don't hesitate to yell with those. Yeah, what happens if I murder a guy? Yeah, not not all these celebrant legal questions about the marriage right. act 1961. Cool, just asking for a yeah, friend. Just checking, just checking, checking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the website that you can share and please for the love of God if every single listener just share this once on their personal Facebook on their Twitter in a, in a wedding group in a celebrant group if you were just to share celebrant.fm um, and uh, you, you might as well put www just so Facebook knows it a link it's a link or HTTP colon or you can copy and paste it or whatever whatever you do or even just this episode just go click the little share icon if, if everyone just shared it once it would just be so good if uh, more celebrants knew that we existed so that uh, the podcast could just get a little bit more successful and it could um, you know, just be a thing. We like that it's a thing. So Celebrant.fm is the website. Hello at Celebrant.fm is the email. Sarah Ed has been 50% of the podcast. Sarah, where can we find you online? I am at www.sarahed.com.au And I'm at marriedbyjosh.com. Thank you so much for joining me for the show, Sarah. It's always a pleasure to chat to you. Thank you. It's always lovely. And we will talk again soon.
And that, my friend, feels like a podcast. Woohoo! I'm pressing stop now, okay? <laughs> <laughs>